Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Queen of Sheba Visits Solomon. It shall be focused on a study of 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Queen of Sheba. To recognize, Father, how she went and she went to visit Solomon just on the basis of what she had heard. And how she said she had not believed all that she had heard until she had seen it for herself. But something within her had created a thirst. She somehow in the depths of her heart felt that there was something to this. And so she came and she saw for herself the manifestation of the wisdom and the gift of discernment he had in Solomon. We thank you, Lord, that in Luke 17, you promised, Lord, that as it was in the days of Sodom, how, Lord, that the Messiah sign in which he spoke to Abraham and told him that he shall have a sign, you promised it for our day and we've seen it manifested. Help us, Father, Lord, not to miss the promises you've given for our day, but may we embrace the full totality of the word and live it, that, Father, we may be found to be faithful stewards on that day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Chapter 9 And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company, and camels that bear spices, and gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cup-bearers also, and their apparel, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts, and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words, until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel, to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them, to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold, and of spices great abundance and precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. And the servants also of Hurim, and the servants of Solomon, which brought gold from Ophir, brought algum trees and precious stones. And the king made of the algum trees terraces to the house of the Lord, and to the king's palace, and harps and psalteries for singers. And there were none such seen before in the land of Judah. 
And King Solomon gave to the Queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which she had brought unto the king. So she turned and went away to her own land, she and her servants. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred and threescore and six talents of gold, beside that which chapmen and merchants brought. And all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made two hundred targets of beaten gold. Six hundred shekels of beaten gold went to one target. And three hundred shields made here beaten gold. Three hundred shekels of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. And there were six steps to the throne with a footstool of gold which were fastened to the throne and stays on each side of the sitting place and two lions standing by the stays. And twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. And all the drinking vessels of King Solomon were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was not anything accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Huram. Every three years once came the ships of Tarshish bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and raiment, harness and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he bestowed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. And he reigned over all the kings from the river, even unto the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones. And cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the low plains in abundance. And they brought under Solomon horses out of Egypt and out of all lands. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and in the visions of Iddo the seer against Jeroboam the son of Nebat? And Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel forty years. And Solomon slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David his father. And Rehoboam his son reigned in his stead. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon titled, The Queen of Sheba. This was preached in 1960 on July the 10th. We'll begin at paragraph 57 up to paragraph 90. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, we find out that the people passing by found out about Solomon and his fame spread all over the world. And it went all the way down, the Bible said, to the utmost parts of the earth. Now, the, that was the utmost parts of the known world at that day. And if you'll notice, it's quite a distance from Palestine down across the Sahara Desert into uh, where she was queen, the queen of Sheba. Now, let's think. 
Everybody coming by would pass by the little queen, you know, and they'd say, Well, we are travelers. We've been up in the certain, certain countries. Oh, you should go to Palestine. They are mighty people. They're all of one accord. The whole nation is blooming in riches. And they've got a man up there that's got a gift from uh, their God that that man performs just like their God would do if he was standing there. You know, faith cometh by hearing. See? And that little queen would say, what do you know about that? Oh, then next fellow come by. Yes, our little queen, we've come by and we've been traveling in our caravans of the camels and, and we passed through Egypt. We come through all the countries. And when we come to Palestine, say, they've got a mighty God up there, a living God. Oh, we got gods in our country, of course, but they got a God that acts in his people. He's a real God. You should see it. They even took this man Solomon and made him their king. And oh, their God is powerful. You should see him. You know, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing of the word. If a man has anything about him, of God, when he hears the works of God, he'll begin to hunger. She began to consider taking a little trip. Must she expect this? Now, she lived in a heathen land, we know. She was a heathen, a pagan herself. But let's just take a little drama now. I imagine now, her and her prestige, before she could leave the country, she'd have to consult her church and her pagan priest if she'd be able to go. So I can see her go over to her priest and she said, Holy Father, uh, I have heard great news of the Israelites. If their God up there has anointed one of their, their brethren, and he's a great man that he shows wonders and signs and wisdom and can discern the thoughts of the people and great things that he's doing up there, I hear the pagan priest say, My child, you know you are a queen. You are a member of this church, the church of this great nation that you're a queen over. Did you know your great, 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 great grandmother and all down were queens before you? Would you disgrace your church and your people to, to attend such a fanatical meeting as that? Why, if, if God's was ever to do anything, our God's to do it in our church. If that isn't the attitude today, I never know. Yes, sir. Why, she said, but listen, I understand that and he is not someone that's, that we talk about. Now, you've talked about these idols here that we serve, and I've never seen one of them move all my life. And you keep telling what they are and what they're going to do and what they will do and what they did do. I've never seen one move of it. Only thing I've got to some words here. I've been reading about it. But they tell me that their God is alive. I want to find something real. Amen. That's the hunger of every human heart. They want to find something real. They know they come from a somewhere dark in the inner, in here and go back to that land again that they don't know. They're looking to find something to pass the curtain. That was her heart. Well, I can hear the priest tell her now, Daughter, if you go up there, we'll excommunicate you from the church. We'll just take your name right off the book. And you won't, be, you won't be a member of this church any longer. But you know what? If the hunger of God comes into a human heart, there's nothing in the world going to stop them. That's right. When the heart begins to hunger, David said in the Bible, When the deep calls to the deep, now, if there's a deep calling, there's got to be a deep to respond to it. you believe that? Now, otherwise, like this, if uh, before there... Well, I read sometime a year, a few years ago in a paper about a little boy eating the racers off of a pencil. 
in school. Teacher would give him another pencil, he'd eat the racer off of it. And his mammy found him one day out eating the pedal off of a bicycle. There had to be a, a stopper to respond to that craze. You see what I mean? In other words, before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator to create the creation. And as long as you're here today, you people sick, hunting for divine healing, because you believe that there is a God that can heal the sick, that shows there is a fountain open somewhere for healing. Being that you want more of God, because that there is a fountain somewhere where you can find more of God. When the deep calls to the deep, there's got to be a deep to respond to that call. Now, the little queen hearing about a living God who is living with his people, it created a thirst. Blessed are they, said Jesus in Matthew 5, that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's a response when you thirst. There's something to quench that thirst. Our creeds, our denomination will never satisfy that thirst. You've got to find the reality of a living God. And the only way you'll ever do it is be filled with His Spirit. That is the quenching of that thirst. He is the satisfying portion to His church. The all-sufficient one that satisfies every longing. When a man leaves the things of the world and comes to Christ, he finds that all-sufficiency in Christ. When he finds Christ. Now... And she began to thirst. And, uh, of course, the priest told her she could not go. But, you know, there's something about it. If a person wants to find God, there's nothing going to stop them from it. Now, the little lady had some hindrances. And every person that tries to come to Christ will find hindrances. It's everywhere. You just start it one time and find out. Start a closer walk with God. Find out what will happen. Just try it. The devil's at the door to stop you every way. Now, the first thing... She was a queen, and she had a long ways to travel. She had to leave her church. She had forsake her, her priest. She had forsake her church. But Jesus said, Whosoever will not even forsake father, mother, husband, wife, children, all, and come after me, is not worthy to be my disciple. It's a forsaking, a sacrifice to give up. You say, well, I'm, I, you know, I belong to the... Certain clubs, I belong to these parties, and we all do. You've got to forsake everything. You have to make your choice now. Are you ready to forsake everything to follow after Him? If God goes to put a thirst in your heart, you'll forsake everything in the world. I walked away from my own father and mother home. I got a wife and three children sitting right out there now. If they would tell me no more preaching, I'd walk right straight away from home. Yes, sir, as much as I love them, die for them right here easily. But Christ is all. He's my objective, and I, my motive to him is to sacrifice everything that I have to follow him. Whether I'm called a fanatic, whether I'm called a divine healer, a holy roller, whatever it might be, I don't care for the things of the world. I don't believe any Christian does. We want to follow Christ. That's my objective. Follow him. Lift him up. That's what we need today, is people of that really to sacrifice. Now... The little queen had some smart ideas, i like for you to notice. She said, now, I have never seen this. I don't know nothing about it. So I'd imagine the first thing the little queen did was purchase her a Bible so she could read and find out. She said, now, if it's some kind of a put-up, it won't be according to the Bible, their Bible. But if their Bible has predicted such a thing, then it will be right. Now, that's what Christians ought to do. When you come to a meeting, don't condemn. First, Search out the Scriptures. 
once they'd have been, once they'd been that sincere with Jesus, said, search ye the scriptures, for they are they that testify on me, and in them you think you have eternal life. You think you have eternal life, and they testify of me. That's right. Surely, he told the Pharisees, those great clergymen of that day, said, you can look at the sun, it's lower, and you say, tomorrow it's going to be foul weather, and if it's clear tomorrow, it'll be fair weather. Said, you hypocrites. You're supposed to be clergymen, and you can discern the things of the world better than you can discern the signs of the time. That ain't the truth today. Everybody interested who will be president? I am too. But what difference does it make? I want to know who will be king of eternity. Christ. That's the main thing. I want to know about my nation. I'm interested in it. I'm an American. I'm interested in my nation. But brother, let that be second. My God is first. Yes, sir. But the thing of it is, they take the nation, the things of the world. Who will be? Who will play this play with certain, certain movie stars? A lot of people, many people today, church members, Pentecostal people, Baptists, Presbyterians, can tell you more about the movie life than they can the Bible life. Four children can tell you about Davy Crockett or, or Gunsmoke or some of them they can about Jesus Christ because that's what they're taught in their homes. And then talk about juvenile delinquency. It's parent delinquency and church delinquency. Exactly right. Clergy delinquency of preaching the word and God working with the church confirming the word with signs of following. Ananias or Pius is living in the church on the side of the church and never called out and told her sins. Because of the heaviest payers there is in the church. Some Ananias with a great job can put in $5,000 a year. He could drink, smoke, gamble, commit adultery, and he can be deacon at the same time. Brother, I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God comes into the church, you tear that tail open and rip it out. Like he did when he came the other time to the temple. Money changers, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. Despisers of those that are good, heavy, high-minded, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, some such turn away. I'm quoting the scripture for Timothy 3. Now, when you see those things taking place and know the hour that we're living, the sincerity that the church ought to be in, and yet just fabulous. You go down here at the market or, the, or go tonight for dinner and they set out a bowl of soup and the big spiders in it, well, you're going to sue the company. Certainly. A fly's in it, you well, you call the waitress and ball her out like everything, and yet you'll walk right around and take some man-made theology and push it down your throat, join the church, that's all you have to do. Except the man be born again, he can no eyes enter into the kingdom. And these signs will follow them after they're born again. That's what Jesus said. That brings the mark of distinction to the church. The signs and wonders of the resurrected living Christ living in the church. They don't want it today. That little queen wanted it. But the first thing she wanted to know, was it scriptural or not? She studied all the scriptures. Then she said, I'm going to do another thing. I'm a queen. And if that message is right, I'm going to support it. And she laid in camels with gold and mirror and frankincense and all kind of costly apparel and stuff. She said, if it's right, if that God is real God... Then I'm through with this thing I have been serving, and I'm going to support it with everything I got. That's the attitude. Listen, God's not concerned so much about your money, but He wants you to support Him with all you are. He don't want 10% of your money so much as He wants your time, your talent, your testimony, and all that you are. He'll be given into His hands so He can control you. He wants to be your Lord. Not only your Savior, but your Lord. Lordship to govern you. 
And he and she said, I'll support it if it's right. If it's not, I can bring my money back home. That's a good, sensible thing for a lot of Americans to listen to. I think so today, too. Every kind of a program and support it, it condemns the very thing that you believe in. That's right. Black support radio preachers and things. I'm not condemning that. I have no radio program. Never intend to have. Could have been on television. Sure. Had buildings and churches and so forth. I condemned it. Turn it away. I want to be humble. I want to stay to a place I can go to anywhere under any condition and preach wherever God needs me to go with no strings tied, no nothing at all. Just be free to do and say what the Holy Spirit says. Say. That's my glory. Yes, sir. Stay with that. Just be led by his spirit. What if I had to make ten thousand dollars a day? What if I had to make a thousand dollars a day? Do you think I could be a climate fall? Certainly not. I couldn't. Of course. I don't have to have anything. Just enough to feed my children. God sees that, so that's all necessary. So there we are. No supports and things like that. Now I believe that God gives ministers radio and television programs. I believe that with all my heart, but he didn't give it to me. Now, the thing of it is, if you're supporting the right thing, but how would you support a thing that condemns Pentecost and the divine healing and the power of the Holy Ghost and make fun of it, and you turn around and let your own preacher on the radio starve and have to cut his program off and support such as that? I don't understand it. And I know thousands that doesn't. I'd support exactly what I believed in and what I thought of. I'd stay loyal to it till I die. Amen. Yes, sir, with everything, not only my money, but my soul, my experience, my testimony, my presence, my everything that I could do, I'd support it. And that little queen had the same idea. No wonder she'll stand in this last day and condemn the generation today. Yes, she was going to support it with all she had. She put her golden things down. The next thing, she had to go a long way to get to hear this man that talks so much about. Now she had to cross the Sahara Desert. You know how long it take her to do it? Take her about three months, 90 days. And she didn't come in an air-conditioned Cadillac. No, she come on the back of a camel. That's right. No wonder she'll condemn this generation. The people won't even walk across the street to hear a message like it. To see the Spirit of God move and do wonders, they'll set in their front yards and criticize it. Go to the places and condemn it. And she came from the utmost parts of the world on the back of a camel. Has to travel by night. Another thing, look what was in her road. The sons of Ishmael was in the desert in that day. They were robbers. And her with all that money, crossing the desert, a little handful of soldiers, a few maidens with her as bodyguards, four or five eunuchs standing around her. And traveling out there with this great fleet of fleet-footed horse-riding uh, Arabs had come across the desert there and could take everything she had and murder and let them lay there. But you know something? When you've got a hunger in your heart for God, danger don't even stand in the way to you. You just keep moving on, flying on. There's nothing going to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. Keep moving on. She just kept going on. She never thought of the death. Anyhow, if you're hungering for God, the devil will put every obstacle he can in your way, but Christ will move it out of the way. Just walk in the light as he is in the light. Just keep moving on, and God will make a way for you. He promised to do it, and he will do it. And that's right. She started. She packed up her camel. She put all of her gifts on. She started across the desert, perhaps traveling by night. It was so hot. The direct rays of that, uh, that sun in that Sahara Desert, it almost cooked the meat right off your bones. And here she come across, why? Day after day, week after week, day after day, month after month, traveling on across the desert on these old camels from one ways to another, starving for water, her tongue hanging out, parched lips, all her man walking along. Anytime that they could be robbed or killed, 
making a difference. She's on her own to see if this thing is right or not. And think right here in this city. Think today at the people. This place could be packed in ten yards, standing full. The people with their hands in the air, praising God, when they see great signs and wonders taking place. The wonders, the miracles, the very scripture being fulfilled, the sign of the resurrection to a, a wicked and adulterous generation. But will they do it? No wonder she'll stand in the last days and condemn this generation, Jesus said. Now, we find, finally she arrived at the gate safely. And when she arrived, now remember, a lot of people come into a meeting like that if they're going to see some miracle of God or going to be performed or being performed. They'll say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just walk in and I'll sit down. And if that preacher says one thing that I don't agree with or my church don't agree with, I'll sit right up and walk out. That shows illiteracy. <laughs> That's exactly, that shows poor raising to begin with. Now, she came in not to stay and see if the pastor said anything, Pastor Solomon, said something that she didn't agree with or whether her church, she knew that her church didn't agree with that. But she come in to sit down to take the scriptures and to stay until she was convinced one way or the other. That's the way to do it. Take the things that claims to be of God and test them with the scripture to see if they're scripturally, if they're scripturally, they're right. Here she comes in now. And she takes off all of her, packed off the camels. She puts up her little tents out there in the palace court. And she's just going to stay until she's convinced. I wish the American people to have that same kind of idea. I don't care what the pastor says, what John Jackson says, or what my denomination says. I'm going to stay till I'm thoroughly convinced whether it's right or not. And I'm going to compare it with the scripture, word after word, and page after page. And I'm going to see whether it's right or not. She stayed until she was convinced. So she would know. Now, let's take her first morning. Well, I hear all the hymns singing, the bells rang, and, and Solomon came out to the pulpit, to his judgment, his throne seat, sat down, Pastor Solomon, the church sang the hymns, and the, the trumpets blowed, and the music instruments played, and all the congregation come around. I can see the little queen get her seat back there. Said, I'll just watch now and see what takes place. Here comes someone up, and the first thing you know, she said, now I'll see whether it's right or not. And she watched it, she said, I've heard now, this God is a God that does these things. I'm going to see if that spirit of God is in this man, this servant of his. And when the first person come up, Solomon, with his great power of discernment, discerned it perfectly and told her. Oh, my. The little queen's heart began to beat fast. Day after day and time after time it happened. Let's say uh, she didn't, of course, but let's just say she got a prayer card, but she wasn't called for a long time. But after a while, share time come to come before Solomon. And the Bible said that there was nothing hid from Solomon. But he revealed to her all the things that she should know. He told her about it. And when she seen this, she said, Now, I see it works on others. Now, I wonder if it works on me. I somehow, I believe that that's right. I've made the sacrifice. I've come a long ways. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll get up and see if it works on me. So she got up there and Solomon told her all things. The Bible said nothing was hid from Solomon. Through the spirit of discernment, a gift of God, he discerned everything that she, he should tell her. And it satisfied her in such a way, she gave all of her gifts to the church, to the cause, and she stood, and here's what she said. Blessed are the men that are with you, that stay with you, administer to you continually with you, for their eyes behold this all the time. Not only blessed is the people and all, but blessed are they that see this done day after day. Blessed are the man that they go along with you. 
that see these things done, meeting after meeting, time after time. How blessed it is. And she's seen all the glory and God. And she was a convert. And Jesus said she'll stand in the last days and condemn this generation. Because she come to hear the wisdom of Solomon and a greater than Solomon this year. Let me say to you this afternoon, friends, a greater than Solomon is here. The Holy Spirit himself is here. The agent of God, the resurrected Jesus in spirit form, God has sent him back to dwell in his church, to be with us, to move and, and to bless us and to give us uh, his presence and to do the work that he did. Oh, if we could only grasp it. If you could only get a hold of it. What made that little queen? In closing, may I say this? If something comes on my mind. The reason that she said that and the reason she did it is because for her first time, she saw something real. Something real. She saw something that could not be explained by human mind. It was supernatural. She seen something that she knew that was real. A little story, or not a story, it's a truth. I, everyone knows that I hunt. I, I hunted. My mother is a half Cherokee Indian. And I, I, I love the Indians. I love to hunt. My conversion never taken it out of me. I hunt Africa, Asia, everywhere. I'm not a killer, but a hunter. So I love, I'm a conservationist. I was a, was a conservation officer for year after year, seven years in Indiana. And I, I believe in conserving games. I believe to be in the woods, to be alone, there's something about it. I used to hunt up in the north woods. And I, to be alone, that's where my first Bible come from. I can hear the wind blowing through the trees. Watch a tree die and then live again. Watch a flower go down to fall year and come up in spring. I know there was a God somewhere. I watched sap stand in the tree in September. August and September, never a cold breeze ever hit it. But before the cold breeze ever hits that tree, what is it? That sap runs down into the roots and hides through the winter. If it doesn't, it'll die through the wintertime. And then spring year here comes back bringing apples again, producing. What intelligence runs that sap down into those roots? Tell me. Put water on a bucket and set it on the top of a post and see if it'll go down to the bottom of the post. Certainly not. Certainly not. An intelligence runs it down. God is in nature everywhere, working in nature. And that was my first Bible. And I used to go hunting with a fellow, uh, a bird, Tom. My wife here knew and always him well. And uh, so we were I'd go up there in the woods to hunt. And he was one of the best hunters I ever hunted with. He was also a part of me. And you never had to worry about losing. He'd, he'd come in. He was all right. He knew his place. And he was a dead shot. One of the best I ever seen. And you never, sometimes you take a person in the woods, you don't know where you go to leave him and have to keep washing him and hunt him up and he'll stray off somewhere. But never Bert. Just let him alone. He's all right. And we love to hunt together. We know one another. He was a fine fellow, but the meanest man I ever seen in my life. That guy was really cruel. Cold-hearted. I never seen a man so cold-hearted. He used to kill fawns just to make me feel bad. And he'd shoot, you know, fawns, a little baby, dear, you, Oregon people know what they are. He'd shoot them just to make, now it's all right to take a fawn. Abraham killed a calf and fed it to God. Right. It's all right to kill a fawn if the law says to kill it. They are conservationists. They know what can be killed and what not. But then, if it's not just kill a bunch of them to be mean, that's mean. And so he, one day I went up to see him and we was going hunting and he had invented some kind of a little whistle that made it go like a little baby fawn crying for its mammy. And I thought, 
I said, Bert, you're not going to use that. Oh, I said, Preacher, you're too chicken hearted. Get next to yourself. I said, Bert, don't you do that. Oh, I said, go on. That's the way you preachers said you're too chicken hearted. They said, go on. We went hunting that morning, and we, it's long the season, and deers are scarce because the first gun goes afar, and they get the cover up there because there's a lot of hunting. We always take us a sandwich and a little uh, a thermos bottle full of uh, hot chocolate because it gives nourishment and heat quick to the body. You'd have to hurt yourself or something if they pick up. And deers is very scarce. We walked from about daylight till about 11.30 and had not even seen one track. About eight or ten inches of snow on the ground, good tracking weather. We went all down through the big beaches and up through the places and the hardwood and on into the other birch and so forth and uh, green timbers and seen nothing, not even a track. We come to a little clearing about the size of this building, this auditorium. And Bert just stooped down like this, started reaching back in his shirt. I thought he was going to get his lunch, and we'd eat lunch, and usually then we separate at noon, and one goes one way and one another, and we get back to camp at night. And he re- reaching back in here, I started to get, let my gun down, I started to get my lunch, and when he come out, he had this little old whipple. And he looked up to me at them lizard-looking eyes of his, and I thought, you're not going to do that, sir. And he took that little whistle and he blew it. It sounded just like a little baby fawn. You've heard them crying for their mammy. And he, and he blowed this whistle and he looked up at me and kind of laughed. And to my surprise, just across the opening, a great, big, beautiful doe stood up. Oh, she was a beautiful looking animal. See those great, big brown eyes, those big ears peeking? I looked at her. What was it? She was a mother. And a baby was in trouble. She began looking around. Where's that baby at? And he looked up at me again like that, and I said, he's going to do it anyhow. I see he pulled back that lever on that 30 hot six. A dead shot he was. And he blew it again. She straightened those big ears up. Now, that's altogether unnatural for a doe to do that hunting season, right that time of day. And she walked right out into that opening looking around for that baby. Where it was at? And when he started to raise his head up, the doe seen. Well, now, usually they, what we call spooked at that. You see, they, they, they're scared. They run away. But not her. She stole them big ears. Those big brown eyes looked down that way where the hunter's top his cap coming up. And I see him level that rifle, put that crosshair right across her loyal heart. I thought, oh, Bert, how can you do this? How can you kill that mother? Looking for her baby. Now, I talked to him about the Lord, and he just laughed at me. And I said, Bert, how can you do that? How can you ever kill that poor mother? Now, she was a hypocrite. She wasn't putting that on. She was real. She was born. Something in her was a mother. And a baby was in trouble. And she was a mother. The instinct in her mother instinct would walk right in the face of that gun. Knowing that she's going to her death. What difference did it make? She's going to find that baby. It was in trouble. She wasn't putting nothing on. Now, I see him level that shoulder down. Oh, my and crosshairs out across that heart. I thought, about another second, he'll blow that laurel heart of hers come to the other side. That big 180-grain bullet go out of that. I thought, oh, mushrooms blow a hole about like that. I thought, he'll just blow that laurel heart of that mother come to the other side. I thought, how can he be so cruel? And I said, I just can't watch it. I turned my head I, in my heart. I said, Lord God, please help him. Don't let him do that. Look at that display of real motherhood. Look at that real thing. Now, that mother walking right out, not a hypocrite, not putting on like a lot of church members do, act like they're Christians. When a showdown comes, they're ashamed of it. She walked out, there was something real. She stood there and was ready to meet her death because what? Inside of her, she was a mother. 
and the baby was in trouble. I was praying. I thought, Lord, don't let him do it. I waited, waited. The gun never fired. I thought, well, what's the matter? I turned to look, and the gun barrel was going like this. <laughs> I'm studying nerves and broke. Grabbed the gun and threw it on the ground, and I sent on a little drift of snow about like that. He threw his arms around my trouser legs and said, Billy, I've had enough of it. Lead me to that Lord Jesus that you're talking about. What was it? If they hold their piece of rocks, so they'll meet at the crowd. What did he see? He saw something real. He saw something that he couldn't even see. A lot of ministers are Christians. He saw in that deer a loyalty, something real that was real. That deer preached the best sermon to him that any preacher could ever preach. She had something real that he could lay a hold of and know there was a real motherhood. And if there's a real motherhood, there's a real God, there's a real salvation. Down on that snowbank, I led him to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's a deacon in the First Baptist Church now, a loyal Christian, because he saw something that was real. Oh, God, let us be real. As you get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this scripture where we see, Lord, that even the scriptures tell us that the queen of the south will arise in the judgment and she'll condemn many. For a greater than Solomon is here and the people fail to recognize it. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, that even a greater than, you said greater works than these shall we do for you, you, you go unto the Father. So we thank you that even a greater manifestation than your manifestation when you're walking on the earth has been with us today in terms of the multiplicity of works that you've been performing. So Father, now we are even without excuse. As your word tells us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So Father, help us not to miss it, but to accept the provided way that you gave us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.